0: the power of their data wasabi another Boston based championship team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athleticscom A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics organization. It all starts right now.
1: It's time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Hope everybody is doing well. We got some really interesting guests for you on this one. We're going to be talking to Chris Bassett. Boy, what a season he is having. I remember when he found out that he was going down to AAA, and we talked to him in Japan how disappointed he was. But I I told him, I said, you're going to be back. And, boy, has he come back and he solidified himself here in the starting rotation. So we'll hear from Chris. We're going to hear from Haley Alvarez. She is the scouting coordinator for the Oakland Athletics as the week that we had Haley on, it was celebrating women in baseball, and she is a pioneer and someday will be a general manager. And then Cara is going to be with us. Cara, the in-studio, in-game host, has done a wonderful job for the A's for many, many years. She will be on here, and also C.J. Nikowski, the former pitcher and whenever. The A's hook up against the Texas Rangers. Love having him on because he also not only does television for the Rangers, but he does the morning show on Sirius XM on the MLB channel. So he is very good. But we're going to start out with the big right-hander who's having a fantastic season for your athletics. That is Chris Bassett. We got the big right-hander Chris Bassett with us here as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball coming your way. Game two of the four-game set against the Texas Rangers. How are you doing? Good, you? I mean, does it get any better than this right here on the field? This weather's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, and we're just having CJ Nikowski does television for the Rangers. He goes, God, it's just so nice to be out of the humidity.
2: Yeah, to say the least, I I would definitely agree with that one. And you just pitched in the humidity. It's not easy to do, is it? It's not fun, to say the least. Do you tire? I mean, you're sweating a lot. Do you tire out quickly? Uh, you definitely tire out faster than normal. But I mean, it's more so just uh, the grip of the ball is a little different than this. So, I mean, going from little to no humidity to a lot of humidity is definitely a challenge. And I think about you, and I remember we
1: talked about this down at spring training. You know, this has to be such a special year for you. And I, I, I know we talked about a glitch in Tokyo. But I remember saying, you're going to be back, and you're going to help this team. And before you know it, you were back. Just being healthy and pitching and being in the rotation,
2: just how wonderful has this been for you? It's great. Um, obviously, a lot of people kind of got me here, got me back to being healthy. But, I mean, it's more so just a sense of relief for me, like, personally, just because I know, like, this organization, Bowmel, I mean, they can, they can count on me every fifth day, not worry about, hey, is he healthy, is he anything else? So just pencil me in every fifth day kind of thing. That's just sense of pride, sense of relief that we're kind of at that point.
1: And I think for you, you know, everybody makes Tommy John out to be so easy now. Like, oh, he's just going to have Tommy John. And you're living proof that it's just not not that easy, and it takes a lot of time, and there can be setbacks, and it's got to be – it's very frustrating. So we need to stop people acting like it's just some easy surgery.
2: No, I mean, any surgery, no matter what it is, even, like, normal life, I mean, when a doctor cuts you open – it's a grind from there. I mean, you got to you got to you got to really really work just to get back to being healthy. So um, obviously we have a great support group here to uh, really like push you every day through those dark days and everything else. But I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a grind. Yeah, because I get you know I get the call on
1: right now in the postgame show is get AJ puck up here, and I'm like that's not how. When you have Tommy John, they have a plan for you. They're mm-hmm. never gonna rush you, and you got to stick by that plan. And I think with you and a lot of people need to realize that. Time is your friend. Yeah. You need to, you, you know, we used to be let's rush them back before 12 months. Now we're looking more 14 months, or mm-hmm. sometimes even longer.
2: I, I think, I think time is your friend, but I think rest is your biggest friend. Um, to me, that the biggest jump I had was that off season that I had off from doing nothing. Because I mean, people don't realize once you have Tommy John, you don't have that off season because you're not you're not taking those two three months off kind of thing from not throwing or whatever it may be. You're you're in arizona you're you're constantly grinding um so going from a seven month seven month schedule to a 12 month constant grind and then you somehow end up like say in july or something and it's like all right you got five more months or three more months until the the next off season comes that's the hardest part is just that time off where it's like hey you don't need to go to rehab tomorrow kind of thing so i mean that offseason after Tommy John when you finally can like truly relax that's that's I feel like to me is the biggest jump physically when people really say hey I'm back to being normal when did you say
1: and feel my god I'm back I got it back I can
2: throw I can let it loose I'm healthy mm-hmm. again when was that this spring training no doubt um I just kind of threw a couple of bullpens uh got into games and I just saw Bomell look at me a little different I looked at Bomell a little different and I think he knew and I knew that hey you're pretty much back to what we had before Tommy John and I mean it was a huge sense of relief it was a huge uh sense of accomplishment kind of thing just because I mean I was like the whole the whole year before that was a whirlwind the whole year before that was doubts and stuff like that where where not even performance wise on the field it was more so just feeling physically wise it just not ever truly feeling what I remembered feeling before Tommy John, so yeah. The, the biggest thing for me was just getting to spring training this year and truly feeling normal.
1: You know what's <clears> funny <throat> about watching you pitch is like you'll look up at the television and go, "Wait a minute, he's not going from the windup anymore. Now he's going from the." Yeah. Sl- I mean, I never know where you're going. You're going to yeah. be in the stretch. You're going to be in the windup. What is up with that?
2: Uh, I mean, you don't. You don't have to watch nine innings or whatever to see my mechanics are a little funky to say the least. <laughs> so uh, so uh, when you're uh yeah, I mean thanks Liam. When you when you're seeing Liam Hendricks just threw him yeah. a baseball, yes. Yeah, when when you're when you're seeing my mechanics and then you add, say, I'm facing the Houston Astros where my adrenaline's kinda way up from normal, so so to speak, it kinda speeds me up. And so I go to the stretch more so to slow myself down, simplify my, my mechanics. It gets me in line a lot more. So, um, yeah, it's just more so me monitoring where I'm at physically. And I don't mean physically as in do I feel good or bad. It's more so of like, hey, how's your adrenaline right now? Are you too sped up? Um, and if I am, it's just a very simple fix for me to go right to the, to the stretch. And it, like I said, it just simplifies my mechanics. And I'm able to start throwing strikes, quality strikes and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I say all the time, you're like a big prey manis out there because yeah. you're just all arms and legs. And I got to think that plays to such a huge advantage for you. It's got to be tough for hitters to see the ball coming out of your hands.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, deception is a massive part of my game. And I just – it was never really something that I, like, worked on where it was like, hey, like, throw your arms and legs everywhere and that's going to really help you in, in the big leagues kind of thing. It just, I guess, God-given that I just – Always through like that, and obviously it's it's translated to so far being pretty good here.
1: When I think about that last road trip, talk me through how these games, the regular season games, but they sure felt and looked like Minnesota and mm-hmm. Houston, like they were playoff games.
2: No doubt. I mean, the atmospheres at both of the places were pretty incredible. Um, heck, I, when I pitched in Minnesota. It was hot as heck, and I'll tell you right now, I would not have been at that game, and they were dang near sold out. And like you said, it was no doubt playoff atmosphere with playoff-caliber teams. So, I mean, we're in, a, we're in a stretch of schedule where we're facing playoff teams and the environments are definitely feeling like that. The teams that we're facing feel like that. I mean, these are must-win games, and I, know, I understand it's in July, but all these games really, really count for us. I, I mean, we know that the end of September when the season kind of ends.
1: Yeah, I, I tell people, stop telling me about a marathon. This is a sprint to the finish line, and all these games with the way everybody is bunched up, and as we talk to Melvin, Melvin doesn't want to talk about the wild card. He still wants to win the division, mm-hmm. so I like how you say that. Yeah, you need to win these games. You need to beat these teams.
2: Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a, a feeling out process of where you're at until the all-star break, and then once the all-star break hits, I mean, it's there's no more marathon. It's definitely a every game you got to win because we know – if it's the wild card or the division or whatever it is, it's going to come down to one game. It really is. So, I mean, you give away a game here, you give away a game there, at the very end you're going to look back and be like, dang, we won those games and that made the difference. Or we're going to look back and say, dang, we lost those games. So every day, I mean, obviously Bowmel does an unbelievable job. I mean, we have young Chapman and Olsen running around kind of crazy. Just every day we're coming with it and, I mean, Obviously, the team, like I said, the teams that are coming in here, we're going to there. They're, they are, too. So, I mean, th- there's no more marathon by any means.
1: Yeah, you just mentioned those two guys. And I think th- the strength for me, we're always talking about home runs. But the strength for me, this team, because I want to say they've only made 55 errors on the year. Mm-hmm. Talk about this <clears throat> defense, knowing that what you have behind you is as good as anybody.
2: Yeah, uh, I think – Everyone, everyone obviously knows Matt Chapman. I mean, Platinum Glove winner. Um, but I, I think, I, I mean, obviously he won a Gold Glove last year, so he has got the credit he's he's deserved. But I think Matt Olson still underrated. I really do. Um, the amount of plays that he saves us, just because of say crazy throws or whatever it may be, and he's scooping everything. He's he's unbelievable at first base, and just. The amount of outs that he saves and the amount of runs that he saves is just incredible. But like, like I said, Chapman's just world class. He's the best He's the best defender, honestly, to me in, in all of baseball. Um, those two at the corner is just – it makes baseball a whole heck of a lot easier for a pitcher no, <laughs> knowing, knowing the field. I mean, the field's obviously the same dimension, but with those two on the field, it, it, the, the field looks looks and feels a whole heck of a lot smaller, I'll tell you that.
1: Let's end on this. The ball you're holding in your hands, mm-hmm. it's different, mm-hmm. and we know it. We got—I yeah. I have the astrophysicist Meredith Will, Doctor Meredith Will's on. She's proven that it's different. Can as you, as a pitcher, have you? W- what's the ball been like for you? And when did you know
2: that? Hey, this is a little bit different. Uh, it, it's it's just slicker. I mean, ev- everyone everyone knows that that it's just you. It, it's harder to grip the baseball nowadays. So I feel like. Sinker ball guys are having a little harder time um, getting some sink. Um, guys that are really, really good at manipulating a pitch, they're having a little bit more difficult time. But then you see four seam guys kind of surviving or thriving because four seam guys really don't rely much on grip. They more rely on just ripping the ball. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. It, we're all playing with the same ball. It's just, I think, I think changing the baseballs is just a little little touchy for especially pitchers. Oh, did you see what Verlander? Yeah, I I mean I I think every pitcher in the league almost dang near is with him though. That's a thing. I mean, if you change the ball, I think you should give us a little bit of a heads up at least.
1: And the thing about Verlander, which we actually looked it up. We didn't know major league baseball <coughs> has bought part of Rawlings. Mm-hmm. It was Verlander who brought it up. I went, I didn't know that. We've Googled it. Like, you can't find.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like he
1: let the cat out of the bag.
2: Like I said, it's a really touchy touchy subject because no one wants to be that guy. But, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you see, you see the ball flying out of the ballpark at an absurd rate. Um, guys that used to be five, six home run guys that were known to like contact hitters are now at 20 home runs and it's like that wasn't a change of just like your swing angle or launch angle or whatever the heck it may be that like something changed and is it good for baseball that's two to be determined if, if it is then so be it I mean if the fans love it then pitchers suck it up because we gotta deal with it and, and obviously we gotta deal with it right now so it is what it is I mean you just You complaining about it, I don't think it's going to change much. It's like a little, like, six-year-old complaining to mom and dad. I mean, unfortunately, the ball is the ball. So, yeah, I mean, we got got to suck it up and deal with it.
1: Hey, you're a class act. I always like having you on the show, whether it's this show or the pregame show. You know, we've been rooting for you for a long time. Keep it up and uh, get this thing to the postseason. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Always great talking to Chris. Our next guest, Haley Alvarez is really making her way in Major League Baseball. She's the scouting coordinator for the athletics. She's the only female to have that job in all of Major League Baseball. And she's been talked about in the Washington Post, New York Times, Forbes, you name it, Wall Street Journal, they've done articles on her and she is just fantastic. And someday she's gonna be a GM. So we've been honoring women in baseball. So we had to have on Haley Alvarez. You know what's great about being in the business of baseball, so we talked to Cara earlier today and we're celebrating women in baseball. But when you're in scouting, and you're going around the country, you got no clue what's going on other than what's going on in baseball. Haley, I asked you, hey, it's women. At-. I have no clue. <laughs> I've been traveling around scouting.
3: Yeah, been traveling for the past month and a half. Uh, seen some pro teams getting ready for the trade deadline. Um, trying to find some, you know, prospects for us. Hopefully, here in the next year, couple years ahead.
1: What does that mean to you that you're the only woman to have this job in baseball?
3: Uh, it's pretty. Amazing, you know. I love being a role model to other women that want to get into the game and uh, kind of forging the path, being the lead example, um, doing things for the first time, kind of creating, you know, example for for everyone out there. And um, it's great. I love it.
1: You know, I, I think about where we are today versus when I first started covering the game, like in '96, '97. To where you had to be a former player. We've got so many people in front offices now who never played baseball. We're bringing all these smart guys in from all the MIT and all these different places. Just what is the game like today from a standpoint of you don't have to be a guy who played in the big leagues to work for a team?
3: Yeah, I would say the majority of people around me, whether it's scouts or front office, most people never played past high school level. So the really only the difference is that I'm female compared to them. Um, we have the same background, business degrees, PhDs. Um, and, you know, it. the one thing that's very different is, like, what do you wear on the road? That's kind of like one question that I've always faced um, because there's no other woman out there of what you do. So um, that's kind of what been one thing that's been different for me that hasn't been showed by the other men around me, Um, like what's appropriate and kind of setting the boundaries for that, Um, which is actually like kind of an interesting thing that people don't think about or, you know, going to spring training and there's no locker room for women. We're building one right now. But things like that that are, you know, every day in the baseball organization that like we just never had.
1: You mean you just don't wear jeans and a golf shirt every day?
3: No, I do not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much standard procedure around here. It
3: is. It's standard. We're Lululemon pants, you know? They don't make those for women the same way.
1: So, scouting coordinator, take us through everything that you do for the organization.
3: Yeah, so I basically, from from the front office, help support our international amateur and pro departments. Uh, What that means is making sure that our guys that are out in the field every day do the best job that they can do, uh, whether that's from expenses to travel to... Um, technology they need with the radar guns, stopwatches, um, anything in our database that we have. So wherever we house all of our reports, making sure that's clean, accessible to them, ready to go for the draft. Um, My main responsibility throughout the years, leading up to the Rule 4 draft in June, Um, I need to make sure that all players are registered with MLB. Um, And then I also, um, in kind of liaison between our medical staff and all the amateur players, trying to make sure that we can get them cleared, um, kind of see what condition they are in before we take them. Um, prepare for the Rule 4, and then I actually, in the the room, select all the players for our team and announce the selections um, over the radio and conference call with MLB. Um, So that's kind of the main responsibility. We have 20 area scouts um, that I help support out in the field every day all across the country, Um, 17 international guys, um, you know, ranging from the Dominican Republic to Australia, Um, and then uh, we have eight pro scouts. Uh, that cover all the major league down to the minor league teams across the U.S. So got everyone um, kind of all over the world. And the basic, my job is to make sure the communication keeps flowing between everyone, uh, make sure they can get out there, do their job, um, kind of make sure that also they're heard by us. You know, it's hard for them to get their word up to everyone since they don't get the face time with us like we do. So we try to do meetings with them, um, you know, try to get everything they can to the GM that I can so that they can be heard.
1: How much different is it dealing with scouts that are in the U.S. versus dealing with the scouts that are international?
3: It's very similar. Um, A lot of, you know, they both, like, have a share passion for baseball. So, you know, pretty similar backgrounds. Um, The world of scouting in both is very different. Um, So adjusting my scale and understanding kind of how they're they're evaluating players is is a lot different. Um, You know, we have a lot of restrictions age-wise on these international players. There's no draft. Um, so understanding the rules and regulations and kind of helping those guys through that a lot more just because there's so many more limitations on the international side Um, and then on the amateur side it's pretty basic you know the guys have a pretty good idea of what can what and what can happen since the the draft is so regulated Um, so there's not much difference between the the type of person that's out there but um, the way that I have to kind of communicate with them is, is very different and uh, make sure that we're following a lot of standards internationally.
1: The international signings always get me. It's like, we're giving a 16-year-old how much money?
3: <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. This, this year was a big one. It's exciting. We'll see where he goes. But uh, he's in Arizona now getting ready, you know, getting adjusted. 16. to 16? Yeah.
1: Oh, man, that is just unbelievable. Uh, long-term goals, I got to think for you, is to be a general manager, right?
3: Yes, that's a, the ultimate goal. Right now, I'm just trying to get well-rounded, um, understand every facet of the game. Right now, that I can, I've been mostly directed on the, the scouting side. I have a little bit of sports science background with the Cincinnati Reds and um, worked with like force plates and bat sensors and all that technology. And I'm really trying to learn a lot of the on-field stuff now. You know, interaction between the coaches and the players, moves, um, how do you know to design? Um, the, you know, pitching for the day. How does the manager kind of go about those? those thoughts in their head and that's something that i'm trying to get better at but just become the most well-rounded executive i can for now and then hopefully um, the first female gm but we'll see you know it's uh it's going to come at some time we just don't know when
1: the cincinnati reds didn't want to lose you if i've read correctly right
3: oh yeah they uh they wanted to keep me there you know it's it's a hard hard thing to say no to i spent a year with the organization loved loved the front office there um, was learning a lot but being from the bay area it was hard to pass up an opportunity to work for a team um, close to home and be close to family, especially with the hard schedule, baseball schedule, miss so many important events with your family and friends that being able to swim, swing home after a, a game for Mother's Day for dinner or something, it was really important to me.
1: And what is it like working for an organization where you got guys that have been here for a really, really long, Keith Lippman, I think, was this year 49 or 50? You think how long Bean's been here? You think how long David has been here? Uh, Kubota, what is it like joining this group of, of these guys that have just had this these incredible incredible longevity and careers here with the A's?
3: It's fantastic. I mean, the loyalty at the A's is one of the greatest I've ever seen at a team, and um, you know, to learn from so many experiences that they've been through, and Eric's been in my position. Um, You know, he's moved all the way up to scouting director and it's pretty amazing to get his insight and and still where he's going with scouting. Um, One of the funniest things to me with with scouting is that, you know, we're always getting better at it. So, um, I think, you know, it can only continue to grow in the game, but being around people that have been around the same team for so long, it's amazing to see the relationships form and and how uh, they work together. Through everything and, and they've still evolved you know it's not no one's really been stuck in their ways a lot of new ideas have come up throughout the years and it you know continuing to change as we progress and the game changes um, as well.
1: So this is like one of the best sets you're ever going to have right for a show and what's cool about it is that we get to see everything that goes on and you can you know look down in the bullpen and wrap Soto and the high-tech cameras and we have all the stat cast and we have every you know so scouting has changed. Talk about technology and how technology has helped change scouting.
3: Yeah, so it's it's really added to it. Um, you know, nothing is taken away from what we see, and I think there will always be the element of having to go to games and, and watch the players firsthand. Uh, you get a lot of off-field stuff that you can't evaluate through statistics, but it's kind of like a checks and balances system. You know, we really use it to support what we're seeing on the field or we even find players, you know, that we may be interested in that haven't performed as well, um, you know, kind of look at their history and look at back at the stats for all of that to help support our findings um, it's, it's pretty crazy how much information we have on these players these days um, you know we, we started a pretty young early age with them in high school and uh, built a track record especially as they pass through um, to the majors and we kind of keep that history as we go so it, it really helps support our decisions especially with um, signings and trades later on
1: and when I look think about travel ball showcases all the things that weren't around when I was playing back in the day that how much does that help you in scouting to where the best players are constantly playing against each other in amateur baseball? And instead of having just to go look at a guy at his high school, you can see him at these tournaments. You can see him travel ball. Talk about how that has helped scouting, too.
3: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it's great for the players. It's great for the scouts. It works both ways. Players get to talent showcase their talent against, against the best talent throughout the U.S., especially these high school players at Area Codes, um, they get to pitch against the best hitters, the hitters get to hit against the best pitchers, so you can really see how they'll do against competition coming into Pro Bowl. Um, as you said, it's hard to evaluate a player in at a high school by himself in a league that may not have as much competition, and um, it's really great to have a, kind of a one-stop shop for scouts as well, to sit at a tournament for a week, see some of the best talent, um, and knock it out kind of pretty quickly. Um, and i think you don't get you don't get that very often
1: well it's how everybody missed on mike trout yes billy bean and farhan went over there and said ah two games hey didn't look that great they take grant green but everybody was afraid of the 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 new jersey and the competition i think trout's going to be okay
3: yeah We'll
1: see. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. <laughs> will <laughs> yeah. be? Yeah. He's, I think I think it'll, I, I think it'll, uh, the contract will be worth it someday. Yeah. I think it will be worth it. Well, we really appreciate the time, and it's fascinating. And we, I, I told my producer we'd love to have you on because we know this is this week we're celebrating women in baseball, and you're a pioneer. Before we let you go, how many articles have been written on you? Uh,
3: a handful some here and there you know some local newspapers here growing up in marin uh they've kind of uh taken a story to me growing up in marin going to high school there and um and then some more national publications and what are they uh the washington post and wall street journal
1: yeah i think i've heard of them yeah <laughs> it's big time thank you so much and uh i know you and uh, i almost feel bad because we had david on earlier now we have you Do you got your are working this is a big time for you guys. I mean, you guys are really busy, so for you to come down and do this, I really appreciate it. No
3: problem. It. Thanks for having me.
1: She is sharp and not going to be surprised someday when she gets announced as a Major League Baseball GM. Also celebrating women in baseball, Cara. We all know Cara. She's She's wonderful. She's one of the good people in the game, around the athletics, the in-game host, and she... She is such a great relationship with everybody in our fan base. everybody loves Carl. we love her so we had to have her on because we're celebrating women in baseball. What do you think of that?
4: I think it's amazing.
1: The B52s <laughs> are listening to Ace cast live. How
4: did you hook that up Tony? Uh,
1: our <laughs> man Ben here is a drummer for a band that just traveled with the B52s cars with us He uh, just traveled to Europe with the B52s Stop and they, it. they recorded that in Berlin.
4: Wow! Always thinking, Ben. That's awesome.
1: Is that cool or what? So <laughs> very cool. I hear we're celebrating women in baseball I right now. I hear that too.
4: That's fabulous.
1: How Wait. long have you been doing it?
4: This is my eleventh season. I know. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you look the exact same. Oh, you never ate Three
4: kids later, you here could we go.
1: you could easily <laughs> have done that. Was it the ten-year challenge? <laughs> you could have easily done that. You would have won that around here. There's no question about it.
4: Ah, oh, you're sweet. I love this job.
1: Do You have a special relationship with the fan base mm-hmm. because you're out here. You're the you're the person that walks around the stadium that everybody gets to see it's true i'm accessible what's that responsibility like
4: well it's to make sure they're having a great time in our home you know this is our house you come to it 81 times a year we want you to have a great time so it's welcoming people ensuring that they're getting their needs met i mean listen i'm not exactly like hunting down like the perfect concession for them but i am making sure that they're having a great experience and if that means putting your cute kids up on camera to make it a night they won't forget i am happy to oblige it is
1: amazing that people see themselves on the big screen (laughs) and they lose it and i wonder like do they think they're on television? I,
4: they might. They might think it's a simulcast, <laughs> yes. But you know what was so great, Tony? I was watching last night up in the press box, like in the eighth inning, and, I mean, we all know the score by the eighth inning uh, last yeah. night. It was abysmal. But they showed these families and these groups of kids up on the screen, and by looking at the big screen, you would have thought yeah. we were up by eight runs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just its amazing how this fan base – just has a great time when they're out here. And you watch the board show and it looks like it. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I'm up there gripping it because I know <laughs> i got to do a post-game show and it's horrible and this yeah. team, they're getting blown out. And there's yeah. people out here going, yay,
4: exactly. this is great. And yeah. I'm like,
1: God, I wish I could experience baseball <laughs> like that again like when I was a kid. I,
4: when's the last time you had a beer at an A's game?
1: I haven't had a beer at an A's game all year. I
4: mean, well, not just this year, but last year, year before. I mean, it's been ages, I bet, right? Well,
1: you know what? Last year, the last couple of years when I was at 95.7, I wasn't doing weekends, so I could come mm. and have beers on weekends. But mm. this season, I'm 0 for what game is this? 104, 105? <laughs> yeah. How bad is that that I have not had a beer at a game yet?
4: You know what? It's all about spring training for people like you and me. Oh, who spring have
1: training with yeah, we got, we got a few. At spring right, training.
4: <laughs> that is the time to have fun, cut loose. <laughs> oh, you brought! I
1: remember you came down with your your uh, college friends. <laughs>
4: exactly, we were there for a little mini reunion. Yeah, happened to get invited to the big owners' party. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, spring training is always you know, and the and the and the way everything is so laid back is so good. But really, explain what your job is. What is your job title, and what exactly? do you do other than walk around and talk to people?
4: (laughs) That actually is like 90% of the job. What you see of me on the screen is a small percentage of my day-to-day. Because when I'm not on camera, I am truly walking around and talking to people. But the official title is In-Game host. And so I'm responsible for carrying out sponsored and non-sponsored promotions up on the big screen. That sounds so technical and so boring, but it really is about, you know, making sure that the corporate sales folks get their messaging across, but also the marketing people and also just, you know, showing a good fan experience. But then my job last year and this year as well kind of took on a slightly different role, adding on some TV responsibilities. Yes. Which has been fun. That has been
1: fun. So... Do you do both when you're on NBC California or Are you I, also do you're doing both? I'm doing both. I'm like literally
4: handing one microphone down, putting on the other microphone, unplugging from one headset pack, plugging into another. So like today I was just talking to the TV truck guys and like we're trying to figure out my in-game schedule, when we can fit in my TV hit. Yes. You know, so it's like a, a lot of moving pieces going on here.
1: Is, does one take priority over the other? No, we all work
4: harmoniously. And then every game. Everybody needs a party. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) wants a party. And then every game, this homestand, should the A's win, I get to do the walk-off, the hero interview on the field, which is great fun for me because it's an opportunity to talk baseball. And unfortunately, that's something I don't get to show in my in-stadium duties. But I I am a huge fan of the game. I'm passionate about the sport. So I love, you know, getting just to show that I pay attention. I know, Mm -hmm. you know, how many strikeouts you might have had in the game or the series or whatever. So, I like that. I like getting to talk to our players. It's you good. know what
1: I like about it is I get to record it and play it on my post-game show. <laughs>
4: oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Happy to give you content. <laughs> so if they win,
1: you are a part of the post-game show. Well, let's
4: hope tonight's tonight, right? I mean, we should be getting three from four from Texas.
1: Yeah, this is, you, you know, I, I, you'd hear about this in the NBA all the time, that you come off a long road trip mm-hmm. and you feel like you're back home, but mm-hmm. that first game back home still feels like the road trip. Yeah. And I wonder after that really tough, where you played four in Minnesota, you played the three in Houston, they were all tough. That when you came back that last night still kind of felt like a road game and hopefully tonight it's like, oh we're back on this homestand, eight games left.
4: Totally. Because it is more normal to have like a three game, you know, series against the Rangers. Like yesterday was almost like a bonus game, you know? So let's just pretend the series starts today and sweep them today through Sunday.
1: What do you do when the team is on the road?
4: Oh, I relax. <laughs>
1: No, you don't. you got three kids. Good
4: point. (laughs) (laughs) I watch every single road game, too, because that's truly when I get to drink a beer and watch a game. Keep score at home. I love keeping score. Um... As far as professional work goes, I still do some tech reporting for CBS. Yeah. That's good fun. Fans tell me that they see me at gas stations around the country. and
1: <laughs> That's right. I have seen you <laughs> at a gas station.
4: <laughs> yeah, my stuff is also picked up by morning shows all over the place yeah. and weekend shows. Who knows? I don't know when exactly it airs on those broadcasts, but, yeah, I do some tech news for CBS. So, professionally, that's kind of where I am right now. But, yeah, momming it up. Three kids. My oldest just turned six yesterday, so six, four, and two.
2: Wow. And,
4: uh, you
1: are working hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Six, four, and two. Any
4: parent knows that parenting is a full-time job no matter what your other job is. So even though I'm here right now, I'm thinking about, okay, I yep. got to gotta think about, you know, are they safe in the pool right now? Home with my grand, you know, the grandfather and all that stuff. So always thinking about that. It was
1: always a joke. It was like. It felt like you were pregnant for so many seasons, right? <laughs>
4: and I kind of was. This would be my season to be pregnant again, yeah. but uh, don't count on it. No, we are no, done. No. <laughs> and,
1: and that's the thing about, you know, we talk about women in sports and women in baseball. You know, the thing about baseball that it's every day. So when you yeah. do have a homestand and you have the family life, it's not easy to balance.
4: It's not easy, and especially since the hours are a little unusual as well. You know, so you're not finding regular coverage 9 to 5, Monday through Friday like a lot of working parents. You know, you're looking for these odd little pockets of time and every day it's a little different you know like tomorrow with a six o'clock game my duties are a little different and earlier so yeah it's it's hard to be a working parent especially in baseball but we do get that glorious off season correct yes what, what are your plans come november i should say
1: i i, I still work i have raiders oh, you know right. this is but but you know what this is the first time because i was on a stretch Where I was covering, and I don't know how many people have ever done this in Bay Area history, especially in radio. I was covering the A's, the Raiders, and the Warriors. (laughs) Like a lot of people, you won't know this, but like during the playoffs, I would do the, over at Oracle, I would do the Warriors pregame. I'd pack up my stuff after the pregame. I'd walk underneath the tunnel, I'd walk to here go up to the treehouse. I'd do the A's pregame for the network. Then I'd walk back over to Oracle, and I would be doing the Warriors postgame show. And then on Friday, I'd be off with the Raiders flying somewhere to to, to game. I mean, it got to a point my wife was looking at me going, how long do you (laughs) think you can do this? Because it's... When you keep going from season to season to season, you never have any time off. Yeah,
4: that's true. I did one off-season working in sports, and that was for the San Francisco Bulls. Do you remember them?
1: No. (laughs)
4: Yeah, Ben remembers them. San Francisco Bulls, they were a minor league hockey team. Ice hockey. What did you? What's that? ECHL. ECHL, yes, that was it. That was the, the league, and they played at the Cal Palace. This was like 2012 into 2013. And I remember the years very distinctly because I was pregnant with my first child, and it was like those early months of pregnancy when I was nauseous yeah, and vomiting. And can you imagine working in the Cow Palace? Ugh. Oh, my goodness, the sense of the lingering manure. <laughs> it, like, I seriously wanted to vomit at every home hockey game <laughs> I had to work. It was misery.
1: <laughs> last, time, last time I was at the Cow Palace... I mean, I couldn't even tell you what year it was, but it was the boat show and we got paid to go out to the boat show. <laughs> I mean, this was a long time. I don't even know what station yeah. I was on at the time. And it was just like, I can't believe this place is still around. Yeah. They had to bulldozed it.
4: Yeah, seriously. And the neighborhood hasn't necessarily developed around it yet. And it's, a, it's in a strange part of the city for sure. Why did you want to get into television? Back in the day so many moons ago um i got in through news tv news and i loved journalism i loved current events i loved politics and initially i wanted to be in like foreign service i wanted to be a diplomat that's why i was a russian language major and did my year abroad in moscow and you know i to be honest after college i was recruited by the nsa to get into the foreign service and um I was thinking about my interests. Like, do I want to become a spy and go that route, or do I want to continue journalism? And it's like, in one profession, you're withholding information and being as secretive as possible. and the other, you're literally broadcasting to the world. And that just seems to fit my personality a little bit more. So that's how I decided to follow broadcast news.
1: That's fa fe- It's Cara Bond. <laughs> You'd be like James Bond. You would. Have, yeah. Can you imagine you rolling around with, like, weapons and stuff?
4: Oh, yeah. I could bust out a little Russian if I need to.
1: <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, when we were at the owner's party, uh-huh. one of your friends is
4: an FBI agent? She is an FBI agent. Yeah, she wasn't a Russian major. She was a, a French major. But we went to a college that really encouraged language study. So all of us studied abroad, all of us studied languages, and all my friends do really, really interesting things, so... Yeah, you're right, FBI agent. Do you speak Russian fluently? Gavru Paruski. I wow. mean, it's I've I've lost a lot of it now because that was like I said many moons ago. Because you got to
1: speak it to keep it going. Yes, right? Yes,
4: yes. But there is a, an usher. He works over in uh, the left field area, Mikhail, and we speak Russian whenever I walk by him. So I, I keep it fresh that
1: way. How was How was Moscow?
4: I mean, this was back in the late '90s, and uh, it was pretty pretty incredible. We were there about. Two weeks after the ruble crashed, and as an American college kid, we were living large. I went with $4,000 strapped to my ankle because we didn't think I could get cash any other way. There were no ATMs, no working banks that would, you know, take an acceptable American debit card. So went with cash to my ankle, and 50 bucks got you the most incredible night out you've ever had. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, they were taking your dollar. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
4: we were we were living well. But I, I also worked for CNN when I was there, and you know really got a nice little nugget on my resume. You know, CNN Moscow it was a cool cool spot.
1: You're like my late father. He used to he used to always put his cash in his, in his in his sock.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a good way to a good way to go. I mean, you're wearing pants in Russia. You're not exactly wearing skirts. It was freezing. So yeah, it was a cool experience. I've not been back. Um, would love to go because I hear it's really changed. Obviously, but someday someday neat taste
1: yeah that is really really cool yeah. I did now see that's why we have ace cast live <laughs> so we can find out what's going on with all of our employees <laughs> exactly. here at the ace. I don't know you asked me a very simple question of how I got into this I hope
4: I got I gave you a some sub- you, you blew me away I didn't answer. know you were going to be a spy someday. <laughs> Yeah. And,
1: and, and the people that you work with, and you know how much we love, and I have a, such a strong relationship with Dick Callahan, mm-hmm. what it means. You work with a lot of great people up there.
4: I do. Dick Callahan actually performed my wedding ceremony. Did you know that? No. Yeah, he did. Back in uh, 2012. I established such a lovely friendship with him, and uh, we asked him to perform the ceremony. As you can imagine, he was amazing, that voice, the presence. Um, so, yeah, he's just one of the great folks we have up in A's Productions
1: Troy Smith, you've worked with for VP of marketing, worked with him for years. Adore
4: Troy. He's the man who hired me back in uh, the t- 08, 09 off season. Yeah, love Troy. Justin Marshall is my producer who I hear in my ear all game, every game. He's great. Um, there's not that many full-time folks up there. They really rely on the part-time crew you know and if you've ever been up to the press box if any fans have had that opportunity you get the tour down to Ace Productions and most people are shocked and amazed to see how many people it takes to put on our in-game show
1: and how fancy all the equipment <laughs> yeah. is right cuz like for for the the press box it's an old building it's right? an old building the building was built in 66 mm-hmm. it's old Finally, the A's. See, the one thing that that I've never liked is that the A's or the Raiders will get bagged on because of the stadium. It's like, whoa, they're tenants. They don't own the building. That's the city of Oakland and Alameda County. They own the building. So when stuff breaks and doesn't get fixed, it's not on the teams. Yeah. But now the teams have really done. I mean, the A's, what they have done to fix up this place, and now the A's are taking 50% of this. But, you know, the, the, the press box is not the fanciest press box in the league, right? It's not. But we go all the way down the third baseline to where you guys are. <laughs> now we're talking about world-class equipment <laughs> and all the money that it takes to run our jumbotrons. I mean that's it's very impressive when you when you go in there. Well,
4: and I will say it's nice for the crew and the folks who do work there that they've got an open air view of the field and of the game because a lot of departments like ours in other stadiums are sort of sequestered back into the bowels of their stadium. They don't need a field view necessarily like the broadcasters do. So it's lucky for them that they've got those, you know, great accommodations right there overlooking the
1: field. And a lot of the people that work there with you also they do the Raider games. Sure,
4: it's a way to do the year-round work they get a little extra from that yeah, yeah. We've, g- we've got that first raider game coming up don't we this is like the last homestand with a pristine field is that right i don't know isn't it august 8th is that first? I, I believe august 8th is the first yeah. game so but
1: they're only going to play one game well, only one preseason game will be played here
4: yeah but it's still in between this long yeah, we'll have the september games that will
1: chew up the field well, and, and you yeah. know what talking to clay wood it's it's not it's not the football players it's the concerts no it's it's the stands what happens oh. is if you're looking out at Mount Davis and they got to bring all those stands out well what happens is those stands are so heavy mm-hmm. where we're looking from left center to center to right center so they put the wood wood plates down and the stands are on top of it so what that does is suffocates the grass sure and it kills the grass the, the players with the with the cleats really doesn't it doesn't do that much damage it's the stands that kills the grass and that's yeah. why they't have to paint it and yeah. Just one more year. We thought it. Just one more year. We can get through it. <sighs> Thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure. Thanks Congratulations, You are the best. I, I Have I told you this since I've been traveling? I haven't told you this. Okay. Since traveling around, I think I mentioned on the air. So I've been to, let's see, I've been to Anaheim, I've been to Detroit, I've been to Cleveland, been to Tampa, been to Texas. I've been to all these places. You are by <laughs> far the best in the league. Seriously. <laughs> That's the, kind.
4: We're friends, Chris.
1: You no, don't have to say that if you don't. I, know I didn't it, have, have to say kind. it. You are <laughs> the best in the league because it's like this is natural for you. Aww. And some of these women that I've seen other stadiums, they mess up a little bit mm-hmm. and it's the timing. It's not. You've been doing this. You're a veteran. Well, you're, you're, you're the best. The, at what I have seen, you're the best in the league.
4: Thank you. It's, it comes from a genuine place. Born in Oakland, raised an A's fan
1: true I, yeah this
4: this love and passion I have it comes from within it's not something I have to put on every night
1: exactly who knows where this week they they get somebody did they grow up here do they know the team do they even know baseball as you said right. you're a big baseball fan right we've talked about us doing a show sometime let's do it maybe it will happen
4: yes 2020
1: I just hope we're around for 2023 <laughs> oh 20 yeah true I just I, I you know I don't want to because bottom line, my, my, my big joke is, will I be retired? Will the ballpark happen before I retire? Cause when,
4: how old will your girls be in
1: 2023? They're 13 now. Okay. They're going to turn 14 coming up yeah. in November.
4: Right. So as soon as, I mean, they're going to be out of the house soon. You're going to want to travel with Amanda once they go to college. You know, you're I, not going to want to be tied to the baseball schedule. I, uh,
1: I'm not, th- I, I won't be that guy working. You won't see me here at 70 years old. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm slinging chicken pies right now. <laughs> Have you tried one folks? One <laughs> Creek, New- Newly remodeled. <laughs> I, mean, I I I will not be the guy that they're wheeling out going, "Oh, he's done." He's been here for 40-something years. No, that will not me. I will be I will be retired by that point. Thank you so much My for pleasure, your time. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Congratulations, Women in Baseball oh, Week. Oh, thanks. Great week. You are the great best. Day, thanks great day. So Go ahead. Whenever the athletics hook up with the Texas Rangers, always want to have on C.J. Nikowski because not only does he do television for the Rangers and he's a former pitcher, but he's also a radio guy. As he's on satellite radio on the MLB channel on Sirius XM. And he's really good. So he just knows he knows more than just about the Texas Rangers. And there's so many different things that we can bounce off of him. Here's the former left handed pitcher, CJ Nikowski. As we told you, CJ's gonna be coming up with us. The last time we talked with him was was in Texas, and a lot has changed for the Texas Rangers since the last time that we have talked. How are you how are we doing today?
5: Sorry, I'm a little late. Uh everything's good, man. It's good here because there's no humidity, which really makes all of us very happy. It's Coming from Texas, and we just went to Seattle, and now here, and we're loving life.
1: That's why it costs so much to live out here. Well, <laughs> pay for it. Someone's got
5: to pay for this weather. It's not free, apparently.
1: Yeah, no, no, it is not. And by the way, what you've done with your career is really great. Not only what you do with television, but what you do with Sirius. And, oh, thank you. And, I that's mean, very nice. That's you know, because I was. Another guy, I don't know if you've ever had him on, Scott Emerson, our pitching coach. I don't know if we've, I don't think I have had him on You should have before. him on. He wanted to do radio. Oh, really? Yeah, so we had him on yesterday. We have much, I mean, you know, because there's some guys in our business who are great talkers, mm-hmm. and there's some guys where you go, uh-oh, this is going to be a tough conversation. Sure. Yeah. Have Emo on. He's fabulous.
5: That's good to know. Keep. The, I'm sure he's been on our channel before. The issue I run into with getting guests in general is doing the 7 to 10 a.m. show on most days uh, uh, eastern time yeah on MLB Network radio so it's tough to get guests during that slot I filled in the other day I went over and did a show uh, here in San Francisco I guess it was 10 to 2 eastern so it wasn't as bad I gotta do another one tomorrow but yeah it's it's we have we struggle in the morning show to get guests just because how early the show is
1: how do you do the night games and the show in the morning I'm
5: a glutton for punishment so you know they were looking you know I I basically do like Tuesday Thursday pretty steady 7 to 10 a.m. with Steve Phillips on the East Coast, and then I'll do the Saturday show with Ryan Spielborgs, 10 to 1 Eastern. But you know, I say I'm going on the West Coast, right? It's the Seattle local trip. I can't do that morning show at all. I said, if you need me to fill in later, and that's that's right where I should have stopped. I, should, <laughs> I actually, that's where I crossed the line. I'm trying to be a nice guy and trying to be a people pleaser, and it ended up being a four hour show on top of it. So it was four hour show, seven. Um, well, I guess that's what. What did we do? Seven to 11. Jeez, and then walked over to Sears, got myself a nice big omelet and some pancakes. And then uh, take a nap in wow. the routine. Yep, shower and go, and then do a game here. You're grinding. Yeah, you know, I, like I don't it. know, man. It's just, I think this was the way I was brought up. Military family, and my dad spent 20 years in the Navy, and I feel like the only thing I can remember him telling me more than anything, at least, was just about working. Work, work, work. And at some point, you know, you got to be smart about it, I guess take your breaks every once in a while. But it's, it's a grain to me right now, and I like doing it. The radio helps a ton. Helps me keep up with everything else that's going on around the league, quite honestly. You know, when you're covering one team, it's easy to get locked in only on your team and not be you know, well aware of everything that's going on in the league. So it helps me. And then if games go slow, we have a you know blowout one way or the other. It gives Dave and I an opportunity to kind of talk about what's going on around the rest of the league with you know, at least some intelligence, I guess, or is at least it, some insight.
1: I don't know if this is a fact. It just feels like it. It just feels like we have a lot of long games. We have a lot of blowout games. It just seems this year – And I could be wrong. It just feels like that for our club. And then Mm. when I go home and I'm watching the highlights – on MLB Network, and you're seeing 10-8, and it's
5: four hours. Well, that game in Baltimore, what was that, six hours yesterday, that 16-inning game? Yeah. Between the, was it the Angels and the uh, – Ange- It was down in yeah. Anaheim. I was here, yeah.
1: And, and, uh, and the, uh, Stevie Wilkerson came in for first position player ever yeah. to get a save. It
5: was amazing. And he was throwing, like, what, 55 miles and I was just lobbing it up there. It was crazy to watch guys and just making fools of some pretty good hitters in the 16th inning. But I don't know, man. It's hard to say whether or not – you know, I know obviously Rob Manfred feels like pace of play has been an issue. But, you know, yesterday's game is an example. I think it was 245. Yeah. It didn't feel like it. You know, when you have a, a, what was 11-3 final yesterday when it was all said and done? And you would feel like that game's easily going to be over three hours. But we've had our fair share of long ones, too, no doubt about it. How hard would it be? I was just talking about this. Because the last game I pitched in college
1: was in 1995. It's been a long time. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like, how could you get up there and actually throw strikes with it being that slow? That would be hard to do. It
5: is, but in his mind, it's, you know, I guess it's like throwing batting practice. Position players are better at doing it than pitchers. Like, pitchers have a hard time throwing dial it back batting practice. I do. It took me a while to get it going. Like, once I was done playing and then trying to throw to high school kids and trying to throw to my own children, it's not easy. Like backing off and trying to throw strikes, you would think, ah, oh, you, you pitch professionally, you should be great at this. It's actually quite the opposite. So it takes a while. So position players are usually better at throwing batting practice and better at you know throwing eighty percent and throwing strikes than pitchers actually are. Did you get a little wild and start hitting people? Well, so both of my boys are lefty, right? So I'm a, as a yeah. former lefty myself. You know, it was my job forever just get lefties out, and I continued to get them out. But that's not what they're trying to do in batting practice. It's tough, you know, because you're trying to dial it back and you're trying to aim it. And I fit I fit them both a couple times. You know, it's all right. You get away with it. You don't get in trouble for doing it.
1: No, no, yeah, you gotta learn to wear it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Turn so it. you're doing the national coverage and I'm sure you guys at one point were talking about oh, this is gonna be a crazy deadline because this dead it's a hard deadline, no more August waiver wire process no.
5: and nothing. Well, I think it'll probably be a flurry, I'm sure as we get closer. The issue became As you well know, is that a lot of these teams that all of a sudden are hanging in there, the second wild card always makes it a little dicey, right? What do you do if you really have a chance at the second wild card or if you're holding on to the second wild card spot? So it seems like, using the Giants as an example – Trading Madison Bumgarner, probably not going to happen as they all of a sudden, out of nowhere, start to play better. I still think they should move their relievers, quite honestly. Uh, I know that their fans would be upset, but you don't have nearly the name recognition uh, with your relievers that you do with Madison Bumgarner. So a guy like Will Smith, who would be highly sought after, that would get you the return that you want. I think they would be smart to do something like that. And, of course, now I think we're just in a situation where we have more sellers than buyers because of all – excuse me, more buyers than sellers because of how things have developed here. All of a sudden now the – uh, Tampa Bay Rays got an issue with Blake Snell is going to miss at least a month. Um, there's not a lot of big names uh, that are out there. So I think that's why it's been slow. Let's just say use the Rangers as an example. If they were serious about trading Mike Miner, they're not doing it right now. They're going to wait till the absolute very end to get those best deals. Now, I think I've always been a believer in the idea of being aggressive early, if you see somebody like go get them, it's a lot harder to do right now because there's so few options available. And if you're holding on to a piece that you know you're going to move, if you're sitting right now in Toronto with an opportunity to trademark Marcus Stroman, unless somebody's knocking my socks off, I'm waiting uh, until that last morning. Were we six, five days away now until it happens. So I'm waiting it out, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, it was like yesterday while I was doing the postgame show, it came up on the ticker about how – you know, they, they want to re-sign Marcus Stroman. And now Zach Wheeler, they want to re-sign. They want to keep yeah. him. It's like, you when know, all the guys that were supposed to be dealt, Madison Baumgartner. But I started thinking about Madison Baumgartner. And Giant fans, they're not always the savviest, by the way. There's a new Giant fan oh, really? w- once the ballpark opened up. And I don't think they when they're, – they're talking about how great it is. We need to keep Madison. But think about what they potentially could be doing to him. Mm-hmm. So you keep him, and everybody goes, great, we got him. But – I doubt Farhan's going to break the bank for him Mm -hmm. at this age, so they'll give him the qualifying offer, and then we now know what happens with the qualifying offer. Mm -hmm. It's harder to get that nice contract and get that job, as we saw with Keichel and we saw with Kimbrel. So by keeping him now, yay, but you could really be dramatically affecting him in the offseason.
5: I've always wondered for guys like him, for Zach Wheeler, are they secretly wanting to be traded? I mean, it's never a good idea, I think, to say it publicly. But in the back of their mind, as they get ready to head into free agency, a trade really works in their favor, right? Go suck it up for two months so that you have no restrictions come free agency. Now, some guys are built different. Like, I think you and I look at it that way and we're really objective. They'll say, of course, that makes the most sense. I don't know Madison Bumgarner, and how he feels about just not wanting to leave San Francisco. He may want to sit there and say, I'll deal with it, I don't care about. It. He seems like a, a pretty no nonsense guy and perhaps he wants to take one last run at this thing, wants to be there with Bruce Bochi till the very end and that's all he wants to do and he says, I'll deal with the qualifying offer. What does it make the most sense from a business standpoint? Not that it's his choice anyway. Probably not. I would agree with you on the idea of getting traded and getting rid of that qualifying offer really working to the advantage of a lot of guys, and I wonder if it's going to come up in the next CBA because it really has gotten in the way.
1: Yes, and I was just going to ask you that. You know, are there a lot of things that need to change like that and also the way arbitration works where this game is really set up for veteran guys to make the big money in free agency, but now they don't want to pay those guys, Mm -hmm. and we got a bunch of young guys signing extensions do we need to kind of flip it to where we're getting money to the players earlier when they're in their prime? So you're paying for their prime and not their past. Well, that's
5: what the union wants. And so the idea, of, you know, the, the idea of getting down to five years for free agency, I think would be a real challenge. You'd have to give something up really significant. I don't think teams are going to do that. The other problem you have, of course, is that service time manipulation, right? Using Ronald Acuna Jr. as an example, or Chris Bryant, right? Hold him back for three or four weeks, then call him up, and now you basically have him for seven years, right? And that's the trend that we're seeing in the game right now. And so because there's been – and it's within the rules. You can't. I mean, it's frustrating. But the other part of that, and I think it's a big one for the union right now, is you're not getting empathy from anybody. You're not getting it from fans. You think fans are going, oh, yeah, ma- let's make sure he makes the opening day roster so he's out of here in six years or potentially out of here in six years. Now Acuna Jr., of course, got his extension, and it works out fine. But, you know, I think the savvy fan goes, hey, yeah, you what, know, why don't you just wait two weeks so we know we have him for at least seven years of control. So the players, while they have a really uh, strong issue there they got to address, I think they're the only ones that are going to get uh, any empathy for all with at all with the idea of trying to uh, get that corrected. So that's a big one they got to talk about. Uh, service time manipulation. Could it be for agency? Could there be an adjustment uh, within arbitration? Uh, do you knock it down? Do you make all two plus players arbitration eligible? Will that help get those younger players uh, paid a little bit quicker? I mean, the minimum continues to climb, uh, but I don't think Tony Clark's satisfied with it. It's five fifty-five right now. It's five times what it was when I broke in, which was nineteen ninety-five. So it continues to go up. And I remember when I was making a hundred nine grand and catching a lot of crap from veterans in the clubhouse about it. You know, Cecil Fielder's like, I made 60 grand my rookie year, and here you are making 109. Man, you guys are lucky. And now it's up to 555. It's going to continue to grow. There's two more years left in the CBA, uh, and now the last two years of the CBA goes up by a cost of living increase. There were set uh, raises in there. Now it'll go to bump up whatever the cost of living allowance is going to be. So it'll do that for the next 10 years. But that number um, will get pretty close to a million dollars here within the next decade.
1: No doubt. I, I think about what you just said, and I have this conversation with Mickey Morbido, our longtime traveling yeah. secretary. Baseball is the only sport that you don't always put your best guys out there. That's right. Because, like, Peyton Manning gets drafted number one out of Tennessee Mm -hmm. by the Colts. The Colts are not, yeah, we're not going to play him the first three, four games. Or Michael Jordan comes out of North Carolina. They don't go, you know, we're not going to play him for the first month of the season because it sounds crazy in other sports that would never happen.
5: Yeah, you know, the, the best 25 don't always go north with the club. And it's pretty consistent that they don't go north with the club. And it's frustrating. And that's the part. Listen. Blue Jay fans were frustrated that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. didn't break camp. But I think now they get it. They had zero chance of competing. They know they have him for six more years after this one. You know, they're secretly probably happy, even though they were irritated by the fact that he wasn't there at the very beginning. And I know he didn't have a great spring and was dealing with some stuff, but those are the kind of things that happen. But that's what our game does. I mean, nowadays, especially since we have the kind of ins and the outs and whether you want to call it rebuilding, tanking, whatever it is, but teams that aren't trying, the idea of being in the middle class in baseball is a really bad idea. And so for those that are out and basically not contending, they are going to do that with their players, and they're not going to always put their best team on the field because you know the Houston Astros, maybe one of the worst things that happened in baseball was that they won a World Series you Right? And so they lose 100 games three years in a row. They get the number one overall pick three years in a row. Now, only one of them worked out. You know, that's the other thing. I don't know how many people realize when you go back and you look at the history of what happened there. And they went all the way in, and people are like, what are they doing? And you know, they really shocked the baseball world. But they got Carlos Correa with the first pick. The next two didn't work out particularly well. Marco Pell ended up retiring. They traded him, never got to the big leagues. Brady Aiken was hurt when they examined him, so they ended up not signing him. And because they didn't sign him, even though three overall picks, only one of them did anything for you, first overall picks, but they got the second pick the next year and they got the second pick. They signed Alex Bregman. And so they got basically two MVP quality players by losing a hundred games three years in a row and teams see that. And that's what they do. And that's why you don't see the best 25 players on the field all the time.
1: Let's end on this. And a guy, I don't know if you've had him on your show, Rick white, the president of the Atlantic league. That is the Guinea pig league now for independent baseball. That major league baseball is trying all these different things. And we recently, he's really good. And we recently had him on the Uh show and, I was asked about robo because now they're going to use TrackMan the rest of the year. Next year, Hawkeye's coming in, what they use in tennis. Mm -hmm. So, calling balls and strikes, I said, how do hitters like it, and how do pitchers like it? And he said, to a man, they love it, because they love that no matter what, no matter what ballpark, no matter what day, the strike zone is consistent. It's consistent every single day. Do you think you would like it, and do you think it will come to Major League Baseball?
5: I have some real concerns. Uh, One of them is losing the corners. You know the idea of a couple of inches off the plate we saw last night here in this game, right? A couple of inches not getting called uh, inside and outside is going to slow the game down dramatically for me. I think we're going to see walks go up. We don't want to see that. We already have a lack of action issue in our base in our game as it is, right? That's a real problem. Pace of play, but also lack of action. Uh, So that becomes an issue. I worry about that one. We have a kid, actually the kid who pitched last night, Guerrero Taylor Guerrero's got a really good breaking ball, unbelievable spin on a great depth to it. But take a name that you know, say Clayton Kershaw with his big breaking ball. If he were to throw that thing and it hits at the knees at the very bottom of the zone, and that little beep goes off or whatever it's going to be, that ball will finish in the dirt. There's no doubt about it. With the depth of break, that if he hits the very front of the strike zone at the bottom, the ball's going to finish in the dirt. That's going to be a new look for fans that they're going to hate. I'm like, what do you mean? How is that a strike? The ball finished in the dirt. Well, across the plate. And I understand it. So, well, if that's the strike zone, that's the strike zone. I remember having this conversation with Laz Diaz probably 20 years ago. And he was like, I'm telling you, CJ, if they ever go to that, you guys are going to hate it. And we were talking about different ways why it would be a completely different experience. And I agree with him. I don't mind what we see here. Listen, there is so much information out there now that with umpires that there's a consistency to them. They're different amongst each other. But you can now, we have great access with Fox Sports Southwest to umpire heat maps. And I'll always make sure I have them in my notes. And I look at okay, this guy has a tendency to say open up uh, to left-handed hitters away. It calls that pitch a little bit more than the average. And then when it starts happening during the game, they make us look really smart. Say I'll say that before the game, and sure enough, it happens. They know that the hitters know it the pitchers know it so yeah it's a little different and i get the frustration of it not being exactly the same every single day but that little nuance part for me i think is is a nice part of the game and combine that with the fact that i think an automated strike zone will slow the game down dramatically and it will look very different uh to fans to me or two things we don't want in the game
1: what was your spin rate and your spin efficiency i wish i knew
5: i wish i knew i gotta tell you i'm so (laughs) jealous of these guys like right like right here in the pen right now you got the cameras out you got the ipad out And I always talk to these guys, and it's so great, you know, the technology that they have available to them. The big thing is the adjustments that you can make really quickly, immediately, right? Like, I remember I had a pretty good breaking ball, but I would mess around with a couple of different grips. And I've always wondered, people look at it and say, I bet you if you held it this way, it'd be better. And I'm like, yeah, probably, but this is more comfortable. Now, I go in the bullpen, and I try my grip, and I throw 10. And then I try the grip that maybe looks like it'd make more sense, and I throw 10. And there's my average pin rate. I'm done. I know which one I need now. There's no, like, going through the entire, you know, years of your career saying I don't know which one would be better or listening to a you know a catcher go that one looked a little bit tighter this one looked pretty good the pitching coaches that looked better coming out of your hand that's over that is over and that is a wonderful thing for these guys because it's yep you're spinning it better when you do this you're getting better run this way you're getting better you know vertical movement horizontal whatever pitch you're throwing when you do x I mean, that is amazing to me that they can do that, to go along with all the training tools that they have now and the velocity and everything else. And these guys are a tremendous advantage, uh, which makes what we're seeing with these home runs even more incredible.
1: Well, we really appreciate when you came on the program in Texas, and we really appreciate you coming down to our office here. It's (laughs) It's a uh, great office. It's the most unique office in all Major League Baseball, but thank you for coming on. I truly appreciate it. You're fantastic, and good luck (laughs) television
5: and radio. My pleasure, man. I'm happy to do it.
1: Well, that is going to do it for A's Unfiltered. We got a lot more coming your way, and we thank everybody who listens to A's cast as we love doing this and we're pioneers and it's just it's a lot of fun to do and I hope you guys are having as much fun as we are. We'll see you all at the ballpark. Come say hi to me in the treehouse.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay picture this.